It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. Hello again, this is Merry Britmas and I'm your host Adam, talking all things festive from a British perspective. We're days away from entering the Burr months now, so I'm sure you're all prepping your Christmas decorating, listening, drinking, watching and eating already. A lot of the retailers here in the UK have been putting out press releases for their Christmas food, drink and decorations over the last month. John Lewis released some decorating trends for 2021, including a wintry Scottish Highland-inspired snow mountain look, and the fairy tale vivid brightness of gemstone forest. I'm a bit of a classic look lover though, so my favourite is probably festive fields, with rich reds, coppers and dark greens, natural and beautiful. Check out the link in my show notes to see which one you like best. Supermarket giant Tesco have also unveiled their festive bakery, with a Rudolph chocolate cake complete with edible antlers and nose, a Black Forest Christmas pudding mashing up the traditional Christmas pud with Black Forest chocolate and cherry flavour, and crumble topped mince pies, which adds the genius topping of crimble crumble, shout out to Friday night dinner, atop the classic Christmas treat. In other Christmas treat news, I saw today that Cadbury's Chocolate are also releasing a Christmas Pud Chocolate, which is a small round Cadbury's chocolate bar with chocolate truffle, hazelnuts and crispy rice bits. After all that food talk, I will continue the tantalising taste bud teasing by talking about Christmas sandwiches. Try saying that five times quickly. I'll discuss a classic bit of police TV with a festive episode of The Bill, and I'll explore some British covers of an underrated classic soul song this Christmas. Last month, I mentioned Pret's Christmas in July sandwich to celebrate the mid-year point. Anyone in the UK would have happily accepted the Christmas sandwich as a norm, but perhaps listeners in other countries may be slightly confused. Christmas sandwiches are a pretty big deal here in the UK. Pretty much anywhere that sells sandwiches, from supermarkets to coffee shops to cafes to petrol stations, will have some type of Christmas sandwiches, or more likely, multiple options of Christmas sandwiches to choose from. These are packaged up as lunch options for workers, students, or just those on the go. As journalist Alice Beer says during a taste test on Good Morning Britain. This is a big thing. If you have sandwiches every day for lunch, you wait until November, and then it's the big launch. All the high street, the supermarkets, the coffee shops, the Christmas sandwiches yeah. are in. It's like I love Starbucks Christmas have their red cups mm. for Christmas. This is it. There's even one of these we'll come to later, which has got its own sort of countdown online to its launch. Wow. Oh, yes. For many years, a Christmas sandwich was usually just a post-Christmas gathering of leftovers stuck on some bread. Still a very delicious and much looked forward to meal. However, at some point, retailers got in on the action. Let's go back a little bit further though, as sandwich vendors were said to have been present on the streets of Victorian England in the 1850s, selling things like ham sandwiches to passers-by. By the early 20th century, they were sold in cafes, pubs and railway stations, though they were usually unwrapped and occasionally mocked for their taste and lack of freshness for being displayed like this. Let's jump further forward to the start of the pre-packaged sandwich. 
In the UK, they got their start in 1980, when Marks and Spencer decided to package up the handy lunch option as the rise of office workers and workers on the go meant a quick and transportable lunch option was needed. The first sandwiches only cost 43p. It started as a small experiment in five stores, but then moved to more than 100 as they proved incredibly popular very quickly. Nowadays, over £8 billion worth of sandwiches are bought each year in the UK. Even with some internet digging, I haven't been able to ascertain when the first Christmas sandwich was sold in a store as a pre-packaged deal. If you do have that information, please let me know, but it seems to have become a thing in the early 2000s, and then more and more media outlets decided to start reviewing and ranking them throughout the late 2000s and every year since. Regardless of how they began, they're big business now, and their arrival and experimentation has basically become part of the news cycle. Every year there are multiple websites, news sites, and social media posts ranking the options available which seem to grow each year, especially recently with vegetarian, vegan, and gluten-free options becoming more common. And it's not just food for food's sake anymore, as William Lee, head of innovation at sweetmaker Candy Mechanic said in an interview for Prospect Magazine about Christmas sandwiches. He said, it's about two things, press and innovation. Supermarkets and restaurants are competing for press coverage to deliver on seasonal targets. The more outlandish an idea is, the more likely it is to get featured. Well, this may be why we've seen some very interesting Christmas offerings in recent years, such as Tesco's chocolate and cherry sandwich in 2015, combining sickly sweet chocolate spread and cherry mascarpone, Tesco's turkey tikka in an onion barge wrap in 2019, seems like Tesco like to innovate, and Marks and Spencer's scorch squash with beetroot and pomegranate relish from 2016. These are the outliers though, as most sandwiches follow the same sort of festive tastes and fillings. Turkey is usually the most popular and common, with some mixture of festive flavours, such as cranberry, sprouts, bacon, stuffing. Then there's things like brie and cranberry, pigs in blanket sandwiches, aka sausages and bacon, roast beefs. Breadmaker Warburton's did a poll of the public to find out their top five festive fillings, and their findings were as so. First place was turkey, of course. Then, in second, a little bit surprisingly to me, chicken, which I suppose most people usually have as a Christmas alternative to turkey. In third place, honey roast ham. In fourth, beef. And in fifth, brie. As part of the same poll, 71% of people said they eat up to 11 Christmas sandwiches over the festive period, and 30% admit to adding unusual extras in their own homemade sandwiches, such as chocolate coins, Christmas pudding, and egg. I may just stick to good old turkey and cranberry, I think. To get more of your feedback, I'd love to hear what's your favourite Christmas sandwich filling. I'll put a poll on Twitter at Merry Britsmas, but you can also message me with your fave or if you have any unusual Christmas sandwich creations. Finally, I found a pretty fun music video by Christopher Daniels, aka Swede Michaels on YouTube called The Christmas Sandwich, all about the experience of putting together a leftover sandwich on Boxing Day. Check out a snippet now, and I'll put a link to the whole song in my show notes. My brother called me in, he said, while standing by the fridge, let's make this one the best we've done, the old Christmas sandwich. Find some space amongst the mess and Christmas day debris We'll have to wash something I said a chopping board or three For the old Christmas sandwich, the largest of its kind Let's have some more of what we have before and anything else we can find For 
the old Christmas sandwich Most festive of all treats When everything in sight is in Only then is it complete Only then is it complete Considering police procedural drama The Bill, named after the slang term for law enforcement The Old Bill, was originally thought of as a one-off special, the creator Jeff McQueen may have been somewhat surprised to see his idea of following the day-to-day -day lives and difficulties of a shift of officers ended up running from 1984 for 26 series, with 2,425 episodes, becoming one of the longest-running British TV shows ever. Highly acclaimed for its realism and its down-to-earth depictions of the lives of officers, it won BAFTAs, National Television Awards and Royal Television Society Awards. It also had its share of criticism and controversy, especially with how they depicted violent and aggressive scenes pre-Watershed, the time when the kids were meant to be sent to bed and not watching telly. The show covers the fictional Sun Hill Police Station, set in a fictional London borough of Canley, said to be in the East End, north of the River Thames. Numerous actors became regulars, and like a soap opera, were written in and out of the station and series over the course of the 27 years of shows. There were a few episodes set around Christmas, as is the case with many British shows running throughout the year, and I've decided to watch and discuss the first today from series 13, and I'm somewhat surprised it took that long to get to a Christmas-themed episode. But it eventually arrived with a special hour-long episode called Twanky, named after the character from a pantomime, Widow Twanky, and it was first shown on the 22nd of December 1997. Before I discuss the episode, I need to say I did used to watch it as a kid and a teen from the late 90s into the 2000s, and I remember being able to watch it as being quite exciting. I could stay up a bit later, and the episodes covered the sorts of things I usually didn't get to see on TV as a kid. It was a glimpse into an adult world of television. That said, I don't remember any specific details of episodes, so watching this was like seeing things afresh. This episode starts with the team preparing for a pantomime of Aladdin for charity. If you remember an earlier episode of mine, I discussed the history of Panto. But it's basically a very silly theatre show for kids and families with cross-dressing, silly jokes, audience interactivity and traditional characters from fairy tales and legends. The gang get on with some traditional panto jokes at the Sarge's expense from the get-go. How was the uh, dress rehearsal, Polly? Oh, it went on a bit, sir. Oh, no, it didn't. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, David Poor tonight. Oh, we're all looking forward to your debut as a director. Has anyone seen Sergeant Cryer? All right, that's enough. Now, I know you've all put a lot of effort into the pantomime, but for the next eight hours, you're police officers, not lovies. Is that understood? PC Polly Page is in charge of the production and is not enjoying the responsibility, especially when the head of the pantomime cow quits. Yes, sir. Well, it didn't go too well last night, you know, in rehearsals. In fact, Mr Conway said it was utter chaos. Did you listen to a word I said during parade? Yes, sir. So, we were just leaving. Good. George, try it with the head on. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it. Find yourself a new front end. George! George, mate! 
Amidst the panto chaos, there's even a festive theft to deal with. Basically, they had the turkeys out of the freezer and into the trolley, and they were off. And there were three of them? What, turkeys? No, kids. Oh, yeah, just the three of them came in, but outside, well, I'll show you the tape. Right, look, just there. There they are, helping themselves, you see? Pretty sharp, aren't they? I wonder if they do this every Christmas. Right, there they go. Look, bold as brass. They know exactly what they're doing. Straight right into the door. Look. That's them there, leaving the store. Now, who's that? Well, I thought Santa was supposed to deliver stuff, not nick it. Oh, I've heard all that from the staff. Santa's little helpers helping themselves, and, uh... Oh, he won't have any trouble keeping the turkeys frozen in the North Pole. But that's a hundred pounds worth of my stock in that trolley. So we have some kids and a Santa stealing turkeys from the local supermarket. Then, another man, Kieran Harper, turns up at the station. He's the brother of an assault suspect called Jason, and he arrives to confront the officers, annoyed at the treatment of his brother. Rod, where have you been? I was looking for you, Gunn. Harper's brother's outside, mouthing off about you. Kieran? Yeah, do you know? Yeah, I nicked him at SO8. I thought he was still banged up. What was he in for? Doing the security girl's legs. Runs in the family. All you say for the security guard after Kieran had finished with him. One of them's gonna kill someone though these days. PC Page then has another problem with the venue for the panto. You're having an audience for this? Yeah. How many? All about 200. You're joking? No. They're here, with only one fire exit. It's 80 maximum. 80? They get far more than that in here. Not with the back doors closed off. They don't. It's 80. Top whack. Yeah, but it's for charity. That doesn't make the building any more fireproof. Here's your certificate. But this means we can't do it. You'll think of something. Meanwhile, a bit of investigation into the theft discovers a dad who has rented out a Santa costume. And then they hear the kids doing something in the garden. We're investigating an incident concerning someone wearing a Santa outfit. Can we come in, please? Can you tell us what you've been doing this morning? Been here. What's this about? Uh, you hired that costume at, at 9.30. Oh, shush. I don't want the kids to know about it. It's a surprise. What was that? What? Excuse us, please. What do you think you're doing? Our freezer's filled up, so take it as finance. Oh, yeah? Where'd you get these from? The shop. Nick them, did you? No. Whose idea was this, then? You told us to. Oh, Dad! Right, that's enough. Do you want to tell us where you got these turkeys from? All I know is I gave them the money to buy a turkey. I never said nothing about a garden, fool. Oh, it's Christmas. We want everyone to have turkeys. Yeah. Where's the arm in that? It's against the law, and I'm arresting you for theft. There's some more good old panto jokes as an officer searches for an alternate venue for the show. Go hello. Uh, yes, uh, it's Reg Hollins here at Sun Hill. Um, have you got anything on at the moment? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm in at your theatre tonight. It's for the police pantomime, isn't it? Another officer, DC Rod Skays, is manipulated into becoming the new cross-dressing Widow Twanky after mocking the show earlier, and the previous Widow Twanky becoming ill. Ah, no, no, it's right, we're all square. But you'll need this. What? Your script. <laughs> no, you're joking. Uh -huh. Rod! Go on. 
A sweet and kind officer, PC Reg Hollis, manages to find a proper theatre with pre-prepared Aladdin decorations for an upcoming performance, and everything seems to be coming together. Well, if you're happy with it, I'll arrange for all the props and everything to be brought over from the church hall, right? What about our scenery? It'll be too small. Well, it seems that they've got a production of Aladdin coming in. They're going to let us use their scenery. Oh, oh sir! How did you pull it off? Team effort, Polly. And I think Reg has got a magic lamp hidden somewhere. You are a genius. Thanks, Reg, mate. Uh, oh. Wrong end. <laughs> you owe me, Polly. It's big, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic! Yes. But we haven't got a widow twanking. We even see most of the panto, and it starts with a suitably cheesy Cliff Richards summer holiday Christmas take. There's also a Gary Glitter sing-song, which is kind of dodgy after the revelations in recent years about his criminal activity. Backstage at the Panto, a spanner in the works arrives in the form of Kieran, who attacks and knocks out Skase, aka Widow Twanky. Tony, shut up! No one's Tony, come on, Tony! He then holds another officer hostage whilst waiting for D.I. Deacon, who is set to be a witness for his brother's case. Now we've got a stack of evidence against your brother. Getting Mr. Deacon won't change that. He's not going in that witness box tomorrow. He's not the only witness. He got me banged up for four years. He's not doing that to Jace. Deacon won't be coming back here. He's coming back. He eventually tries to attack Deacon on stage, but PC Page tackles him and declares, Behind you, Gov! Twice in one day. You don't make me laugh, funny man. Crowd for some reason go wild at the end. It's an odd Christmas episode, and as with the bill itself, does try to kind of run the line between a police drama and some dashes of humour and interesting character moments. It's surprisingly festive and more than I thought it might be, from the panto being put on to the background decorations to the theft of a turkey by a bloke dressed as Santa. However, it does go on a bit, and I think an hour special was a little too long for the story, and we didn't need to see most of the rather naff panto that just went on and on, especially with the dodgy jokes, and some even dodgier racial stereotypes being kind of used in the pantomime of Aladdin. I'm quite looking forward to seeing some future Bill Christmas episodes, so they may be appearing on a podcast in the future. A quick interjection from me to recommend another festive podcast. If you like alcohol, and you like Christmas, and you like literature, or you just like hearing people talk about those things, well, you may need to check out Lit for Christmas.
What do two poets who are Christmas geeks do when they get together? They get drunk and argue about Yuletide lit. It's time to get lit for Christmas. Join us as we open the liquor cabinet, grab a book off the shelf, and have a little boozy conversation about what warms our chestnuts and makes us holly and jolly. Find out the best screwdriver to scrooge with. Get the recipe for Gift of the Magi Mojitos. Enjoy a little Peppermint Patty Polar Express. Everyone's welcome at this party. It's time to do some Jingle Bell Jello shots and talk about the great, and maybe not so great, works of Christmas literature. Hurry up! The fireplace is roaring and Bing Crosby's crooning. We're two drinks in and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future are flowing. Grab a cup of cheer and find a place on the couch. It is time to get lit for Christmas. Finally this week, I'm looking at one of my favorite American Christmas songs, This Christmas. It's a soulful song from 1970 by legendary voice and artist Donny Hathaway. How much fun it's gonna be together Hathaway wrote it with the intention of making an impact for the representation of African Americans in Christmas music. It wasn't a big hit when it first appeared, only getting to number 11 on the Billboard Christmas Songs list, but found a much bigger audience and awareness in later years, especially after 1991, when a compilation album from Atco Records called Soul Christmas was released. Since then, many soul and R&B artists have covered it, and Patti LaBelle even titled her Christmas album after the song. I'm going to share three British covers of the song today, which are hard to find compared to the many, many, many American artists covering the track. First up is actually a classic rock legend, though you wouldn't be able to tell from his version. bassist and singer for the third and fourth lineups of Deep Purple, as well as fronting Black Sabbath for a short time in the 80s. He started music with a funk band called Trapeze, and also recorded with supergroups Black Country Communion and The Dead Daisies. On top of all these bands, he's recorded many solo albums, including some super soulful records that show his wide range in taste and vocal ability. His take on This Christmas comes from his only festive offering, called A Soulful Christmas, released in 2000. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
next up is a duo who I know very little about, except they are called Axie Wild, and seem to stop making music back in 2016 after making a bit of a splash online, especially on YouTube. They create R&B with a hint of hip-hop, with one member singing and the other rapping, including adding some original lyrics to this take on the Soul Classic. times with Corin Bailey Ray, whose first single Put Your Record On propelled her to be named as a BBC Sound of 2006. Her debut album went to number one. She was nominated for three Grammys, two Brit Awards, and won two MOBA Awards. Since that first album, she's also won a Grammy for a cover of Is This Love by Bob Marley, and has been nominated for the 2010 Mercury Prize for her second album. She covered this Christmas back in 2009, and it suits her voice so perfectly. for another episode and I hope I got you suitably festive feeling as we barrel towards the burr months. Don't forget to respond to the poll on Twitter and message me if you like with your favourite Christmas sandwich filling or if you have any interesting or unusual Christmas sandwich fillings at the best time of year. Also I've started posting the merry moment of the day again on my Twitter feed and via Reddit's UK Christmas subreddit so check those out, like them and reply with your memories, thoughts, feelings or hatred of whatever British Christmas tidbit I am posting. Happy blooming Christmas to you and all. 
the creator, Jeff McQueen, may have been somewhat surprised to see his idea of following the day-to-day lives and difficulties of a shift of us. The creator, Jeff McQueen, may have been somewhat surprised to see his idea of following the day-to-day lives and difficulties of a shift of officers ending up run... Yeah. The creator, Jeff McQueen, may have been somewhat surprised to see his idea of following the day-to-day... The creator, Jeff McQueen, may have been somewhat surprised to see his idea of following the day-to-day lives and difficulties of a shift of officers... The creator, Jeff McQueen, may have been somewhat surprised to see his idea of following the day-to-day lives and the difficulties of a shift of police... Mm-hmm.